Hello and welcome to this week's Statsman Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knudsen. How the hell are you, James? Pretty good, Ted. Pretty good. 42 years old. Do you even remember old. how to do this? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, what, three weeks or so? Two, three weeks and holidays and whatever it is. Transfer window shut. We reviewed it. That was our most ever listened to podcast, which is pretty cool. Pretty happy about that. And now we're back. Don't leave us transfer fans. We've got plenty of other interesting things to talk about. So we even still have some transfers, allegedly. Yeah, I mean, you've you've just you've just you've just wound me up before we started. <laughs> Ted, was, Ted was like, "Oh, you'll never guess what's happened this morning." He said, "Oh, Chris Smalling's gone to Roma." <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> he did actually say that. He didn't believe me at all. No. <laughs> uh, it's just I'm not sure it's official yet, but the the Roma reclamation project still digging. Digging random names out of the <laughs> out of the project, it's, I guess. It feels like it's another one of those Man United transfers. Are just like maybe I'd keep that guy. I mean, not Alexis Sanchez, but uh, I don't know. I would have thought Chris Chris Smalling would be a useful citizen to have around the place since he's been there forever. But maybe there's not. been like, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's been lots of interesting minor stories in the Premier League in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and including like Andros Townsend tweets and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, I kind of actually ended up on Andros's side, which was slightly unexpected for me, given the hard time that we've given him over the years. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll get to that. We're not going to start with the, the Premier League. We're going to start with business. I know it's weird, right? Like we're, we're, we're running a startup podcast, I guess. Yeah. We- Wait. <laughs> We got a, a, a yeah a few little updates from from across the summer. Just you know, we like to keep everyone informed about what, what we're doing, and you know, it won't take long. We'll get to we'll get to the football as well. You know, it's a long podcast. There's plenty to talk about. What do you want to talk about, Ted? What do you want to hit on there? Well, we haven't caught up on stats bomb stuff. There's a few things we haven't done uh, in recent times, like over the summer when we, it was pretty much all nonstop uh, transfer stuff. Like we didn't do a reader request line or reader powered questions, at least more than once. We often do it monthly, uh, usually during the, the international breaks because it gives us something to talk about that's interesting. Um, but we didn't do that. And then we haven't really talked about stats bomb itself. We talked about elements of it, like the conference and, and we gave you special names that were, you know, exclusive only to, to podcast listeners at the time. Uh, tickets for the conference are still available October 11th at Stanford Bridge. We have just like the coolest list of people that are going to be there. Seth Partnow from the NBA, uh, Javier or Javier Fernandez from Barcelona, uh, Vasa de Buda from Arboda. Uh, sorry, Nikos gave me a hard time. He's like, it's not like, it's not like boo. <laughs> it's like both. I was like, I, I like the boo thing better. It feels more Scooby-Doo. Anyway, um, so Vasa from Ajax, uh, who is um, one of the leading women uh, analysts in the uh, in the sector. Emma Hayes, Jackie Oatley, uh, Gabriel Marcotti, uh, Balagay, uh, Honigstein. We have a whole research competition. Uh, My- Michael Cayley, uh, Karun Singh is going to be there. So the guy that's been doing the X-Threat stuff, we're inviting him over to do a cool talk. And... I'm so excited that he confirmed last night, but we get one of the OG fucking people from um, expected goals research and expected passing model research and all the other stuff. Um, a guy named Lukasz Sapensky, uh, and I'm sure that I butchered his Polish name. I'm sorry. If Merrick actually listens to our podcast, he'd be like, you know, c- cursing me right now, but he does <laughs> that anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, that is our conference and it'll be awesome and you should show up and i referred to it last night as our patreon as well uh so if you wanted to support us we were going to do a live podcast with another og but of a different flavor benjamin pugsley is going to be there on stage with james and i failing epically for an hour we need to plan what we're talking about ted we can't just sit there talking about 1980s films and people won't be happy with that maybe they will be happy with that so I assume that you've been listening to the new Taylor Swift album this this what? week. No, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. No, 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 no. So James had this amazing moment that that actually floored uh, Nikos, uh, our analyst, and myself in the office uh, this week, where <laughs> he, he said this thing. Uh, so Tom uh, Lawrence, our CTO, said this thing about John Wick and how they're terrible movies, but he watched every minute of them and, and kind of loved them anyway. And I was like, oh, well, suddenly I need to know James's opinion. And your opinion on that was? My opinion on John Wick was that I, th- I think I watched the first one and I had no great desire to watch any of the other ones. Okay, so next week, 
<laughs> James, James and I are both going to watch, before the podcast, John Wick 3. Neither of us have seen John Wick 2. No. We're going to see what happens if we haven't seen the middle part of it. I love the John Wick film. Uh, I'm, I, I might have even seen the second one. I'm not sure. This is how, like, you know. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't see a lot of don't see a lot of movies anyway, but I can understand uh, it's possible. how that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that I watched it late night one time. So James and I will take a brief segment next week to talk about <laughs> about John Wick three. But the funny part that James said, like immediately upon talking about this, you know, oh yeah, John Wick has uh, you know, it, it's a little bit about an assassin and everything else, and then you know involves a dog. And James said. What did James say? I said that I'd watched Turner and Hooch recently, <laughs> which you and Nikos found incredibly amusing. I did. It was good. <laughs> this is not your room. People don't realise Turner and Hooch, I mean, there's, there's some real savagery at the end. Hooch dies. Sorry, spoiler alert, but Hooch dies at the end, right? And <laughs> The dog dies. <laughs> the, dog, okay. the dog fucking dies, man. Anyway, and then, like, Tom Hanks gets married... Uh, and the, the the girl he marries has a dog who Hooch is impregnated and has lots of lassies and then there's one and one Hooch and the final scene of the film is this kind of like miniature Hooch so it's quite it's quite existential like the idea of like you know life death moving on the future anyway, and this this dog's still destroying his house and he doesn't he just kind of puts up with it anyway enjoying that Ted <laughs> I'm dead again. <laughs> Good old Turner and Hooch. See, Tom Hanks had a lot. Of that. that kid's got something going for him. He could go far. <laughs> right. I, I do enjoy Tom Hanks movies, even from his early career. In, in some cases, especially from his early career. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so we'll talk about John Wick three. Maybe John Wick three. Right, come on, quick. Let's get back to business anyway. So you got, then we got to get to the football. And you've got you've, you've got to get yourself together, man. Come on. Sorry, I'm supposed to be serious. Now. Okay. Um, right. So stats one problem. Um, so we, we had talked, I think, like six months ago that we were doing a fundraise. Uh, that's coming to a close at the end of September. Uh, we're doing pretty well on that. It's been like a really funky thing, though. Uh, and at some point, I may like, I may write about it or, or talk about it or whatever. But like as a, as a CEO of a startup uh, that is bootstrapped and like talking to all these venture capitalists about stuff, it has been a really weird experience, like over and over again, but in different ways. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, fundraise coming to the end. Uh, the awesome part is that our revenue has already more than doubled for the year. Uh, you know, real serious customer traction. Like people, yeah. you listen to our podcast out there, and and our tool set is considered to be really good. And and like consistently, customers are telling us that it's it's the best in in the space, and the data is also the best in the space. And so we're we're putting things together that help football teams, you know, execute and analyze and learn more about their own team or their transfer targets or whatever. Uh, so that you know, it's it's not just me saying things though. Like this is actually happening. Um, <clears throat> And so, you know, our revenue is more than double, but you haven't seen us announce like all of our customers. And and this has kind of been a policy of ours for a long time, but I felt like I needed to explain it because everybody else does this. Like, oh, look, we've got this new deal with this people and blah, blah, blah. Um, and we even have like marketing provisions in, in most of our contracts and we could potentially do that and maybe we will. But, uh, you know, we tend to do things in a different way. Like we definitely have our own drum and our own beat and and we will march to, to the way that we think things should be done. So the messy data project that we released this summer was our own thing. And, you know, I don't think anybody else would have done that and it'll finish up. Even pe- even people this week are, are like putting out messy stuff. People are still using that data and um, you know kind of like playing with it and finding innovative ways to kind of like look at look at Messi and his um, you know fellow uh, fellow teammates and stuff. So that you know that's 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 nice because that was that was definitely part of that part of that idea was to to give you know if you're ever writing an article about Messi anyone ever for any organization then you need to come speak to us because we got like we got the info. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I divert. <laughs> No, I, I mean, we wanted to give we wanted to give people something really juicy to work on. Also, like there's never been anything that's sort of a longitudinal of this type. You never had all of someone's career, even though we've talked about it for years, like wanting that type of thing. It's never really happened. Uh, so the last chapter of that will come out during, I suspect, around our conference time. It'll probably be the, the October international break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just don't do it. And, and so we are 
we have plenty of customers and plenty of new customers, but you just don't see us operate in the same way. That's like totally normal. But we've picked up about an average of a customer a week this summer, and it's continued on to, to be very strong. Um, one of the things we haven't done as well is get involved in other countries. So as you as we come to the end of September, beginning of October, you're going to see us um, do some things that are related to that. And uh, I don't want to tell any more because like deadlines can get squiffy and I hate missing deadlines, but it's just a reality sometimes of, of the business. So <clears throat> we will get to that. So those people who speak possibly a different language, um, you may have more specific content to you. Um, Beyond that, um, I, one of the things that, that also came up kind of on my Twitter this past week was, you know, we, <clears throat> I, I haven't, I haven't really found a way to broach this politely. So uh, I, I will, I will stop being polite for a moment. Um, some of the data from a number of our competitors actually is is really quite poor quality, and and we compete with them in the sense that they also sell data, but not compete with them in the sense that you know we view them as direct competitors. Like you may take their their data and, and think that's good enough and it's not. And you know, this is largely related to the video companies that people, uh, many, in fact, many of the analysts um, can get you know, small subscriptions to them and, uh, and then use their data to help analyze players, et cetera. And you know, I'm not gonna name the names, but it should be pretty obvious from who I'm talking about with regard to this. Um, the reason why I need to talk about it and why I haven't is like one, you know, if you if you create any noise, like if you're critical in any way, then often, especially in England, like you're viewed as a, a total asshole. Like it just creates a lot of problems that are not not conducive to to maintaining focus. Um <clears throat> so I tend not to be like critical in a public way and but like we need to talk about this. We're at that point where like it needs to be discussed. Um, there was a, a tweet the other day from a club analyst who came across, the, I think it was a Plymouth Argyle game. And, and Plymouth Argyle and their opponents had like 37 and 36 shots each. <laughs> and, and, and this guy's like, I don't know what sort of gear the person who coded this was on, but I'm pretty sure that this is not a football game. And this is in that data set. And this is the data that's released. And the reason why we're talking about this is because the, the companies that are collecting this data are doing it mostly to be able to tag the video. And that's absolutely fine. But you know, the moment you walk into a coach and have to be able to show this type of stuff, it means that you lose complete credibility. And in fact, the entire data set loses credibility if you've got this type of outlier because you don't know what's wrong where. Uh, it's not wrong in consistent ways so that you know you might be able to get some interesting things across the entire population. But say that you're actually searching for really good players in English League One and League Two, um, so which is one of the places that, that this has been used for. Now, we cover English League One and League Two as well. We also cover Scotland, uh, pretty much the whole, whole pyramid right now. We don't go into the National League yet. That may be a future thing. But <clears throat> if you need to find good players in those spaces, and you've got a few games over the course of a season that are goofy outliers like this. Or maybe like, you know, somebody fell asleep and they, they missed like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in the middle, whatever. You're using aggregate stats to, to try and find players in this. It starts to really matter because you've got a fairly small sample of players that you're looking for. And if, if there are 37 and 36 shots, then that's like, you know, two and a half games to three games worth of your normal output there, like that will dramatically impact uh, the expected goals and everything else that that is judged for those players. Or if it flips the other way, if it's too low, then that also does it. And my point on all of this is that if your data is unreliable and you're trying to make decisions that are still in the millions of pounds per player, or if you're trying to, to do like team analysis or anything else like that, and you have to take this data into a room and then you know prove to people that it's useful enough to be incorporated in your process, you will fail and you will fail in a bad way. So just the fact that it's a lot cheaper does not make it actually useful for your goals, which is you know providing your team with top level opposition analysis or you know recruitment analysis. And we're very much still at that this stage. Like you know for, for all the fact that we've got we have uh, developed a lot of customers over over the summer, and it's been really you know quite rewarding to see that because you know data collection is hard, and we've worked you know, really hard to try and like you know to make sure that you know everything that we do is is, is absolutely as good as we can and you know bring in checks and balances and you know work out how best to, to collect everything and you know kind of go over it over and over and over again 
Um, but there's, but it, like you said, there's, there's still plenty of organisations that are kind of um, not not really kind of up to speed with um, like data in football. And you know, we we want to speak to them over you know coming months, coming years, and and get them on board. And I think I think there was a, there was an idea a while ago, wasn't wasn't there? That um, uh, I think. It may, it may be a little bit harsh, but like when when uh, Andy Carroll and stuff went to Liverpool, it was the idea that the data was used like not very uh, efficiently, and it almost kind of like set back the whole idea of like using data. So if you get the wrong, if you've got bad data and like you know make and bad decisions on top of it, then it can really kind of like steer things in the wrong direction. And what we want to do is give people good data and hopefully help them make good decisions and you know move things on. But we are seeing as a whole the industry like moving forward at, at some pace. But at the same time, there's still like you know plenty, plenty more kind of uh, space to kind of fill, and especially in other markets. But yeah, yeah and <clears throat> you know, from an industry perspective, like on one end, you've got companies whose data is basically too bad to use. Like we call it data, but it I'm not even sure. it should be some other thing. Like it's an it's an offshoot of video collection is really what that is. Um, so that's one end of the spectrum. And then you get some some more reliable companies in the middle uh, that have you know lesser amounts of data, but you know we we have used them in the past and, and found them to be reasonably reliable, even if we will quibble and, and argue about you know we think that ours is better and, and a lot more robust. Like I'm not taking apart their stuff right now. We know that there are other issues inside of it. Like these are things that if you ask me privately, I will discuss with you. But it's not something that I need to take a bat to to these companies for. It's not even. You know, that's not how we're, we're going to operate. And then the other end of the spectrum, we were talking about it this morning, <clears throat> is like the tracking companies and the wearables companies. And and those companies can give you a lot of data. And, and oftentimes they do give you a lot of data. And oftentimes they give you so much data and absolutely like no good tools on top of it that it just sits in your club and you've paid an awful lot of money for it and no one knows what to do with it and no one knows how to, how to utilize it and make actual insights and, and all this other stuff. So especially in English language football right now, we are seeing a move towards data and we're seeing like smarter and smarter people come on board. Um, but I just wanted to, to really talk to the people who listen to us, which is, you know, something around five figures now to, to tell them that I respect the fact that, you know, you want cheap data to be able to, to use, um, you know, plenty of you are, are team level analysts and you only have budgets that go so far. I get that. But some of the data out there is so bad. Like we literally had it for free. We could have incorporated it into Statsbomb IQ and we felt that we could never walk into a room and say that this was reliable, like for free. And so we didn't do it. And and that's kind of what you're dealing with. And and so like, just be really careful about it. You know, if something is like 10,000 a year and something else is 50,000 a year, but the 10,000 a year is actually useless, then it's not really competing with the 50,000 a year. Um, and that's not necessarily us. That's like every other company in the space. Yeah. And I think still like even, you know, what look, look at, you know, any kind of, um, you know, budgets are obviously a huge thing, but the, using data properly and using good quality data still going to save you some money in the long run just by sharpening up them decisions no doubt i think and uh you know you want to be one if you know if we're not quite at first mover stage we're still at still at second and third mover and there's still plenty of people that ain't moving and uh, rocks and aren't going to move at all so yep i think the space has got plenty more uh, room for growth and people should people should like you know look look to look to get involved and we're here. Anyway, and we had we had a great summer. Um, we're continuing to expand our collection. We've got like 40 leagues uh, or competitions that we'll be doing over the next year. Uh, this includes some really interesting leagues that I don't think people have really tucked into before. I think Croatia is on that list. Serbia is on that list. Uh, Italy, Italy, Syria B is on that list. Uh, a lot more as well. And so, <clears throat> and plus the full English pyramid, uh, Scotland. Uh, what else weird did we add? I'm forgetting. Maybe Greece. <laughs> Greece is another one. You can't call them weird, Ted. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Compared to the norm, what what else? Scope. I don't want to call them abnormal. South, either. South America. Uh, There's a lot of scope in South America. There's a bunch of leagues down there, isn't there? We are adding uh, more South America as well. Oh, I saw something else come across somebody's, uh, yeah, a different company's Twitter uh, the, the, in the last couple of days looking at the rankings of clubs or teams leagues strengths across uh different leagues in south america and that was like we could have like a really interesting intricate argument about models and how these models tie together but you're like club elo stuff that wants to tie things together around the world or this company's model or or you know i've worked on professional gambling models that are 
as good as they get with regard to this. Because if they're not good, they'll bleed money. <clears throat> and one of the challenges is like literally the linkages. Uh, you need to have enough links to be able to tie all of these leagues together. And do they play? Um, and I can give you a practical example of this. We went to our quants uh, at Smart Odds when I was at Brentford at Michelin. And we wanted to know how good the teams in Australia were. And the reason why was because we found a guy named Our Mobile, uh, and we found him for like a pretty reasonable price, and we thought that he had really, really interesting baselines. And so we're like, "Look, can you give us like any idea where you know a few of these teams that he's played against, including the best ones, um, would fit like in the English Premier League or English Pyramid? So like, are they are they League Two quality? Are they League One quality? And they came back and they're like, "We can't." I said, "But but but why?" Uh, you've got this huge gambling model. He's like, well, the gambling model works pretty well inside of Europe where we have a lot of interlinkages like Europa League and Champions League provide you with plenty of points where teams from different countries have played against each other. And the more points that there are, the more reliable the model rankings are uh, amongst, you know, in between. So you get the model rankings that come from, you know, the lower leagues uh, versus like say La Liga and Segunda, you've got a decent idea of how those teams rank out. Uh, you have a lesser idea of how League Two ranks versus the Premier League, but there's a lot of still interlinkage, especially because of like the, the League Cup as well. So you get more, more chances for teams of different leagues to face each other. But when you get to these geographical distributions, that's where you really run into problems. And there were a few friendlies that were played uh, of, by Premier League teams against... Um, against the the Australian teams like that summer and Mobile did well enough I think against Manchester City actually we were like you know we think that he could have some serious talent and and then you know last year he went on to have like a great uh, year at um, at Michelin and is also a, a great person so that's what we were trying to use it for the reason why I bring it up is just like you need to be really really careful in like making any sort of assumptions about how valid these rankings are because like my guess is you know, having looked at this and understanding the modeling side, it just doesn't have the the connections to be able to build any sort of reliable rankings model. And people are like, well, you know, a model is better than none. I'm just like, eh. again, uh, bad data is bad data, and it will cause you to make you know mistakes in ways that you have more comfort with. I think because you're like, oh, well, the numbers say that, and people are the numbers are solid. <laughs> All right, so I'm just sitting here thinking of, thinking of wowie models, but anyway, that's a whole other topic. Well, exactly. <laughs> like you get things that work in the NBA and to a lesser extent the NHL because players play with each other and they they sub rolling inside of games, and we don't have that. And so, like you know, don't assume that 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 type of stuff is particularly valid because you can't approach it in that way. Eight players on every single team, every single game are exactly the same. And to some extent, it's like nine and a half because most of them don't even start subbing until like, you know, the 30 minute mark. So yeah, it's, it's, right. it's tricky. Right. What, what, should we talk about football now? We should do. Like, uh, what's happened? We've had three weeks. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on the Premier League to start with because obviously that's where we're mainly at. And uh, Man City have won the league. No, they haven't. Um, Liverpool are top. That's good, I guess. Keeps it interesting, at least for now. Liverpool, Liverpool have been odd. They've been, they've been just about good enough for two games, and then they rolled over Arsenal, and it was like, right, okay, that's that's more like I think, more like what you'd expect from them. But I think a lot of that was to do with Arsenal. Funny enough, actually, I'm going to write write something on this. I've half written it, and I'll probably get it out for tomorrow because it's been bugging me all week. But has it been bugging you? <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll finish that off tonight and uh, uh, maybe not hit on it too much at the moment. But um, yeah, Liverpool just still still look like there's little question marks about their defence because they they looked a little bit porous uh, in the first couple of games. Again, we're just looking for clues after three games. You can't really be wildly confident about anything. Um, this is why the site like hasn't. This is why I haven't run request lines or anything, or Mike hasn't run run request lines because. Yeah, like we we don't even want to throw things out until kind of match five, at least from a math perspective. But the flip side is you can't not cover the fucking Premier League for six weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, totally. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't write so much at all anymore. But like, back when I used to do kind of like weekly things and stuff, like first few weeks of the season, it's like, oh, for, what am I going to write about? <laughs> I have to think about something, and it's like, yeah, okay, let's 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 approach these things uh, slightly askew let's, <laughs> let's talk very sensitively <laughs> about <laughs> what may or may not be happening hint 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 <laughs> so, alright so what's bugging you and this is probably going to cause well like Liverpool's expected goals against right now look like 1.24 which is high 
Yeah, for that, I mean, this this is the thing. Like they they conceded quite a few shots against um against Norwich, uh, even though they won it, you know, at a canter. Uh, similarly, conceded a good few shots against Southampton. Um, Started uh, the season tired, maybe. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? Because Tottenham and Liverpool went so late, you know, with the kind of July, June first Champions League final. Um, it would make. I mean, I don't know, you know, what kind of conditioning programs they have. Tottenham have like very like obviously uh, kind of like come on strong in most of Pochettino's seasons. Maybe not so much last season. Uh, they lost quite a few games. Although their metri- I think their metrics actually got like better as the season went on, as their results went the other way. It was a bit of an odd kind of. Uh, odd kind of turnaround on that front. Manchester United. <laughs> Manchester United. It's hard to know what to think about Manchester United right now. Um, yeah, I mean. So the only the only team that like we're very comfortable with right now is Manchester City, which that, is yeah. not a huge surprise, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's entirely true. Manchester City, completely as you were, uh, dominant team, wildly outshooting their opponents, uh, absolutely steamrolled Tottenham uh, two weeks back. You know, it's probably as, as one-sided a, a game as you're going to ever have between like two top six, two top six teams, and you know somehow it ended up two-two. But yeah. and the worst team in expected goals against uh, is West Ham, who lost five-nil to Manchester City, and and we're yeah. kind of at that point like where if you face Manchester City, uh, <laughs> we're going to give you a little bit of a pass. Yeah, uh, and and to a less extent Liverpool, but like right now Liverpool aren't looking like super team. Last year they were. There may be reasons for it. You know, some of their players played deep into the summer as well, like Sadio Mane. Um, Salah was also at the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, so yeah, it's you know the, the, be careful with it. But yes, so we know City are really really good, and we know that Liverpool might be good, and the results are are great, and that's good. Uh, should we talk about Arsenal? Arsenal, 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 Arsenal. Well, three, yeah, <laughs> three, three. That was well done, James. Well done. <laughs> it's so very succinct. It's so funny because, like, obviously, Arsenal, Tottenham coming up, and and you know, whoever, if if one team wins that and the other team loses it, you know, the, the losing team is going to carry the kind of like crisis conch or whatever through the through the international break you uh, never want to do that no no exactly two weeks of like narratives all kind of like boiling up in london you. blah 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 the athletic has like 50 writers that are all <laughs> going to take shots at you yeah i mean like arsenal arsenal are kind of interesting like the, the, the first two games they were okay uh they weren't good against liverpool i hate but not ta- good i hated their tactics against liverpool i really Same. disliked it a lot and this is partly what i'm writing about so so let's let's explain why that's true right what were Liverpool really good at last year that most other teams were not good at? Uh, go on. <laughs> Creative play and assists from their fullbacks. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. What did Arsenal decide to do <laughs> in this game that might be antithetical to a good game plan against Liverpool? Uh, just pack the middle and pack their own box and leave leave. The and flags. letting the fullbacks have fucking freedom of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, they really, they really did, and uh, I think it's interesting because I, I think I, I haven't read it, but I think um, I sort of go across my timeline. Michael Cox wrote something about Trent Alexander in that game, and I, funny enough, I, I've, I've watched the first half back because this is my, my focus, and uh, Robertson's Robertson's the one for me. Like, I think four times he, he absolutely whips the ball across um, across Arsenal's box. Twice David Luiz just kind of like just like lets it go. It's almost like you know because it comes off, it's like yeah, that's fine. But there's a guy behind him both times, and it's like, yeah, if 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 you're slightly misjudging that, you're in trouble. And then obviously, Luis you know, fell in a whole second half, and you know was kind of semi-responsible for both, both well, very responsible for the penalty, and kind of like got skinned completely halfway up the pitch by Salah for the second one. So yeah, it's it's a funny thing. I mean, like Liverpool are very difficult to play against, and obviously, you know, I think that they made some minor adjustments at halftime, realizing that. Yeah, they could get matchups against the center backs that they wanted uh, in ways, especially if you're leaving our fullbacks, which would be unexpected for them because like most teams don't allow them to have freedom. Then suddenly you're able to have like a lot of flexibility in where to where to tug guys, and and you know if you get any one of the the forwards, including Firmino, who doesn't score a ton of goals, but it's like a huge mismatch against the center backs, like they're gonna have problems. Um, and Arsenal's yeah, I, should we talk about Arsenal's shot numbers? They're not good at the moment, are they? They're still they're still pretty low. I mean, you can understand which is the same as last year. Yeah, also not tr- good. Yeah, that's true. Just kind of like a bit of a shrug on that front. And I mean, they got really bailed out by Aubameyang and Lacazette to some degree. Um, 
you know, finishing with at some pace last season. It's one of those. Aubameyang's got had like kind of multiple seasons of finishing like at a really good pace. You 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 wouldn't say he can't do it again. That would be too much. But like you wouldn't be surprised if he just had one season where he got like I don't know thirteen goals or something. Just because life can has a way of uh, biting you on the ass sometimes like that. Um, because of the law of large numbers if, dictates it that it's possible? If, you know, if he, he ends up having like one of those kind of seasons, then I'm not sure, I'm not sure like what, where Arsenal's attack kind of, um, you know, kind of comes alive. I mean, uh, Pepe, Pepe's shown a willingness to shoot. I wouldn't necessarily say from the best locations necessarily. He's, he's you know, taken a few from kind of wide and deep. Um, Lacazette obviously an option. Lacazette, Lacazette's a funny one. You, you, always, you look at his numbers and you feel like, why's why hasn't this guy got more kind of like you know twenty non-penalty goal seasons in him or something? Because he looks like he could do that, and then it never kind of never seems to kind of like come come together on that in that regard, or at least certainly hasn't while he's been at Arsenal. And then I don't know. Yeah, the rest the rest of the midfield. Um, Sabias had the, had one good game and everyone's like right yeah he's the, he's the boy and then he was pretty anonymous lost against Liverpool though that might well be just the tactics killing him off um, yeah uh, yeah it's it's I don't know I I find it hard to be very positive about Arsenal while while I still think that they will win you know plenty of games against kind of lesser opposition so but not more than Chelsea. No, that's the bet. That's the bet. <laughs> and uh, see, uh, yeah, you're going to get killed by your boy Tammy here is going to kill your bet on that. <laughs> I, it could entirely. He's off. He's I, off the I, mark. I, and Mount's <laughs> done better than expected so far as well. He's seen. You know, uh, the bottom line is with someone like Mason Mount is, um, you know, if he keeps scoring in that position, and the same, the same with Abraham because you, know, you don't know who like um, Chelsea were going to pick as their kind of main striker this season. You know, you figured that like maybe give Abraham the shot. Uh, Giroud's obviously a kind of like reliable option to some degree, although ageing, Batshuayi's kind of like milling around. But, you know, Abraham and Mount have both done quite a solid job to kind of like nail their position for, for at least, the, you know, the forthcoming weeks. Um, but with a couple of goals each, it's you know the, the essential currency of like do you get picked in, in a team in a forward role? If you're scoring goals, then it's then it's hard to drop drop for you. Um, and so yeah, it's if, interesting. If you're able to take Mount, if you're able to take Mount and do what um, what Manchester City did effectively with uh, Raheem Sterling, which is you can only shoot between the the posts. <laughs> right? like, if if you are between the posts and and basically from the D on in. Then you can shoot from there, but otherwise, please don't shoot from there because they're not particularly useful. And we have other players, and you're actually like not a terrible passer, and you're a good mover. So like, can we just like focus on that type of thing? I think like giving some players constraints exactly like that is fairly effective coaching. And and you know you 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 create some small sided games and even some large sided games where like those are your constraints and you get used to operating within those constraints and then you know those start to translate to game situations. And so with Mount. You know, I get a little frustrated when he's, you know, two yards outside the D and decides to take a shot, especially from any anything remotely wide, or if it's a wide shot, which he'll occasionally take. Although Emerson has, has had a lot of those, but I think that that Chelsea team, you know, has a number of, of pieces of talent that I like. Uh, there are other pieces of talent that I'm I'm less certain about. Um, the the continual Ross Barkley element is uh, is not <laughs> something I'm super positive on, but Poor you Ross. know. <clears throat> I, you know, it's it's not a great start, but facing some tricky teams and I my my as I said, my concern with Chelsea was not really the talent side of it uh, in the summertime. It was more just you know, can Lampard give these guys enough tactical nuance to to be able to operate in his style? Well, also kind of his style is not anywhere remotely what Sari had, and so like that's a, a little bit of a challenge too because like you are definitely playing a different way and different from Conte as well. I so. think that's it, isn't it? Because I mean, it's it's interesting that he's been playing um, uh, Jorginho in 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 the kind of Jorginho in <laughs> nominally the position that you would play Jorginho in, in like, central midfield, but with. What appears to be like more, more, I guess freedom's the right word. I'm not sure Jorginho's type of player that wants freedom, but he looks like he's got it, which might, might or might not be a good thing. <laughs> and interesting though, you're, I think Kante missed the last game, didn't he? But the game he played, he played Kante still in the kind of like box to box kind of role, like to slightly to the side, which I think is interesting. I think Kante, Kante, everyone got hung up on the idea that like, oh, you know, he's he's the best defensive midfielder. We can, you can only play him there. I think he did pretty, pretty well for Sari in the end in that. Kind 
kind of like two two way um, like midfield position. So I'm not that surprised uh, if if uh, Lampard kind of like continues to use him in in that that kind of position because wherever you put him is a lot of energy and you you can't really put Jorginho in that position and maybe even Kovacic is, is someone who's well I mean he's probably not going to be that much of a kind of like zone mover I suppose so like you almost you almost kind of end up defaulting Kante into into a kind of two-way midfield role just because of the personnel you've got and it's interesting you know I don't know you think just people just have bad perception about Lampard or just think like maybe he's going to just play an English style or something and I don't think that's necessarily the case at all so in, a lot of interesting questions is going on as to like how how Chelsea shape up uh, moving forward um, and, th- and three three games I was just looking at their numbers like 18 shots for nine against brilliant and then it's yeah. like plus point two on expected goals so they're obviously zinging them in zinging them in from here there and everywhere and uh, and not and uh, not quite stopping the opposition to do the same so again three games not much to, not much to get excited about but early hints are, are kind of like half promising and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that and it's just going to be that weird season where basically, you know, they didn't fill roles that you would if you had an open transfer window. They decided to, to take the ban. And so it's the same team as last year with some of the lonies in. And uh, we'll see if anybody goes out in the next two days because there still is an open window. And maybe we should talk a little bit about that, too. Oh, hang on. Before we do that, let's talk about the team where some somebody, two team people just left from. Manchester United. Manchester United. Their metrics look okay through a couple of games. But uh, why? But why? Uh, why do those metrics look okay? Tell me. My mind's gone blank. Well, they've generated two penalties, right? Oh, yeah. That's a point. Yeah. No, three. Three. That's, yeah, great. Okay. Great point. Uh, yeah, because they've missed two. Rashford, highlight of my week that was. Absolute highlight of my week. Rashford's Rashford scores in the first week. Pogba, evil Pogba, misses, dares to miss a penalty the next week. And then and then the pundit class just absolutely up in arms and spend half a week going absolutely the Pundit class. This crazy is so about. English. You, you've gone like very, very English. I don't, where, where would we place that? <laughs> where does the Pundit class exist on the class dynamic? I'm not sure. I'm not going to say. I'm pretty sure most of them are, are really rich. Um, <laughs> New, nouveau riche Pundit class. There you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... <laughs> No, no need for politics on this podcast. My God. Anyway, um, and then Rashford gets on the next week, which is oh, just just so much fun, and then misses it himself. And someone, some, I apparently it was reported to me, so I don't know if it's true or not. That because I, I joked, I said like, oh, he was distracted by Pogba taking it last week. He's like, he's lost his rhythm, and that's my that's my joke about it. And someone said that Chris Sutton pretty much said that on Radio Five, and it was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is just. Off the charts, silly. Um, but yeah, so that was that was my joy of the week. That was the, the absolute nonsense about Man United's penalty narrative. I mean, but one in four gets missed. It happens. Get over it. It does. So three of the the five Manchester United goals from open play have been uh, through balls. Right. One Dan James, another one Rashford. I think the other was Martial, uh, which is useful. You know, those these are these are positives. Um, but the, there's, there's such a strong question as to like which of the non-Liverpool and City teams can defend this year that I, yeah, I'm not sure we're going to answer that anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, transfer window is still open uh, in the rest of Europe, mm. which caused all sorts of problems for the Premier League clubs as they were trying to sign teams. And I think Barcotti had a thing where like uh, spending was down 25% this year. Right. And yeah, we're seeing, we saw Barry in what was it, League One, basically uh, be made insolvent for various reasons, and Bolton, you know, needed someone to save them. Uh, and I think that you know, I we have talked on this podcast before about how I'm I don't think football should be at all bullish about their future revenues right now because the the source of their their revenue has been TV and TV or you know cable or sky satellite or whatever their revenues are very much up in the air and for a while they're like okay well you know sport is the only thing that is keeping people coming back to to our platform which is sort of true but if your platform is crumbling out from underneath it like you can't necessarily continue to pay big money to prop up sport uh, in that way and the ott is coming so like the zone 
um, or various other providers across the world are starting to, to do things where you, know, you pay your subscription, you log in, and then you can watch it via your mobile device or your computer, etc. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's some discomfort. And, and we had definitely talked about paying players so much money that in order to shift them at all, you would have to absorb like half of their salary, if not more. That happened yesterday. <laughs> Sanchez, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, uh, so apparently Manchester United are paying Alexis Sanchez 175000 a week, a week, <laughs> to to play for Inter in in Italy. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of money. I mean, that that deal at the time, like, it was so... It, it, I, I, there's probably not been a deal. It's, so, it's been so obviously, like, questionable from, like, start to finish. And I, I don't know why it went so badly. I mean, I think... <laughs> it's paywall. I haven't signed up. There's there's an athletic article trying to explain the ins and outs of uh, <laughs> of um, uh, Sanchez at Man United uh, uh, that came out this morning. I think so. That, that probably tells you tells you the truth. But yeah, I mean, it just what a, what we, a we sound deal. like we sound like we're sponsored by the Athletic, James. I'm not because I haven't got a subscription, and we're not <laughs> <laughs> because we're not. We, we've mentioned them enough times. Like suddenly, you're like, hmm. And we, we next on the podcast, the we now. introduce Michael Cox from the Athletic. No, <laughs> oh man, that would be really weird, wouldn't it? Coxie and our vibe would. Might get some confusing. politics there. Anyway, no, no probably wouldn't. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, um, don't know what. Uh, what really happened with Sanchez it was an obviously hideous deal you should never make that deal yeah. and god damn it Arsenal still ended up with a bad Mkhitaryan out of it <laughs> yeah someone it. said that to me yesterday as well it's like no one got the good out of that and it's like hang on a minute um, no that's, yeah, maybe you didn't I, I don't know but it, but even even that season uh, so it's 18 months since since Sanchez has like kind of really shown his worth on, on the football pitch I know Grace our, our writer on uh, Stats Bombing has been standing for Sanchez for, for like some while and saying that he wasn't so bad when he was on the pitch and that you know there's small argument you could make that direction but I think she's very committed to it I think generally he just scored something like two goals didn't he and it's you know for a guy like Sanchez who was very much kind of linchpin attacker who scored you know double figure goals in you know literally every season he played that was the letdown he played every summer of course and like there was always the idea that his legs might fall off, and now we mm-hmm. just now we just don't know. We just don't know. I can uh, into taking that gamble, uh, you know, with the potential that you know a loan. I'm not sure. I don't think there's a buy clause in there either. So that's probably that's just probably one of the rare situations where that's actually probably a good thing because you know you pay X amount, you find out hopefully he can drive you forwards, and then you're not actually that bothered if 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 it comes to a. They're still a paying him like what three hundred thousand a week or something. I, so if, if that includes the loan fee, like the loan fee is basically covering his wages. I, United are paying him $9 million to go pay for, play for somebody else yeah. for a year. And, and enter like, hmm, 300000 So we're going to pay him like, you know, $15, 16000000 million for this year. It was just a hideous transfer. We said it at the time. It was a really bad idea. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, then then the camera pans to North London. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were no good ideas like, apparently that summer. <laughs> I tell you what, Mesut Özil, there's a guy. Well, that's his season's been bloody weird. I mean, all yep. this all this stuff about like you know the the Karate Kid Kalasinic, um, and then them both being kind of like trauma pulled, pulled out of those those the the one game. I don't know, Ursula hasn't featured yet, has he? I mean, he had that with when he was under Wenger. He had he had periods of time where you'd just be like kind of unspecified injured, and you wouldn't see him for a couple of weeks. And now, well, he, he would definitely <laughs> go on holiday, right? And and actually, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. And Wenger was so bad at pl- overplaying uh, important players that you know, giving them like a couple week holiday, especially around the FA Cup times or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know that that's actually like quite normal. Uh, yeah, I, 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 li- I quite Sterling. like. I quite like that as a, as you know, concept conceptually. You know, just go and sit in the sun and get get fit and well, and you know, you know. Yeah, it's only like, the a long kind of season. Yeah, you know, think think of your own year. And actually, I used to have this on the gambling side. Think of your own year, especially if you're a team, a player that's in a national team uh, constantly as well. And then you've got like the, the summertime build up into you know, Euros or World Cup or, or whatever. When are you supposed to take a holiday? And can you imagine just working like 10 months straight, no break, high intensity, high pressure? Yeah. Like that's that's a pretty miserable prospect. No, so, it is. You know, from a club perspective, <laughs> finding the, the weak 
or the weeks where like you know guys might be in the red zone and you look at the next opponent and you're like you know just go take a holiday. Like I, the, the only time I've seen Raheem Sterling in person was literally getting off a flight to Miami. Right. Uh, I, I was coming back, I think, um, with my kids. And we were either going on holiday or going to Curacao, which is where uh, we used to live. And, and Raheem was, was there. And, and I had I, heard from somebody else that he, he would go to Jamaica somewhat regularly. Um, but I was like, wow, he's really tiny. I had no idea like how how small he was, um, and he was still at Liverpool at that time, so it was quite a long time ago. Um, but yeah, so who knows about Mesut? I would love to see him play more. Uh, Arsenal are in my mind a hot mess, uh, and those shot numbers are continuing to look bad, like they did last year. So it's not just about this year; it's about last year too. It is. Um, it is kind of fun. just to loop quickly back around to the, to, to the you know the kind of big six. Obviously, Liverpool and Man City just look fine in probably in general they look fine but like uh, you know Arsenal Arsenal lost lost at Liverpool quite you know devastatingly Tottenham uh, Tottenham bad at Man City and then lost lost a kind of like shrug of a home game against Newcastle in which mm-hmm. we, we, I've seen that game it's the it's the Tottenham game except they didn't it quite is. come on strong enough at the end and sneak the equaliser or the winner which also he, he apparently doesn't feel like playing the good midfielders <laughs> yeah I mean there's 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 I can understand, like, <laughs> Lo Celso will be uh, will be integrated slowly. That's pretty normal there. But the old Ericsson situation is just not ideal. Uh, but then, and then obviously Man United, Man United losing to Palace. And, you know, they're, the fan base is up in arms again. Because it's like, oh, my God, this is, you know, the same old crap that we saw at the end of last season. I feel a bit sorry for them in that regard. Because it was something like 20 shots to three or something. And they lost 2-1. I mean, just... I, I think we had this discussion. Uh, I spoke to, to our intern Alex in the office, who's a Man United fan, and I said to him, "Look, if it's three shots to twenty and you lose two one, then you, then that's the time to get worried. As long as it's t- as long as it's twenty shots to three, then yeah, it's it's kind of okay. But it just, of course, the narratives are just firing out as soon as, as soon as any of the big six lose one game. It's like right." This is a disaster. What the hell are we doing? Well, uh, and and looking at kind of the last half season for for Solskjaer, like you get yeah. a little bit concerned. Yeah, yeah, and Tottenham's Tottenham as well. So someone's been putting that that last made me laugh. Last fifteen game uh, chart, Tottenham are like relegation or sixth. That was Nick Harris, right? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah like Use a fifteen game cutoff, and then like yeah, the, the, the yeah the classic uh, cutting off your stat to make your point uh, because like Tottenham won the four games prior to that. So that over a half season, you know, which. 19 games which is at least semi-arguable like a point like we're going to choose 19 games because it's half a season then Tottenham got 12 more points there but it, you know, it hasn't been good for for a while but they injuries Champions League run you know there's a lot of things going on and this is the thing you just can't get too bogged down in these narratives after three games you know, come back after, come back to me after 10 games if Tottenham have won like 4 out of 10 games or Arsenal won 4 out of 10 games or Man United won 4 out of 10 games then well, manager managers might be under some severe pressure, but then well, four felt- four out of ten isn't bad, right? Like you know, getting points in four out of ten would be would be bad. Yeah. And for these teams, you know, if you go four three and three, like you're kind of like at least not in hideous place. Uh, Pochettino did not help this whole discussion though, right? Because he said that this is the most unsettled the squad yeah, yeah. has ever been, and yada yada yada, and you're like. It's kind of weird because they they have what is a really good summer and you know have, have brought in reinforcements and stuff like that. But he's also not wrong, and we've we've said for quite a long time that they would have some coming pain with regard to the size of the deals and and the deals that that Levy cut that effectively would end up being bringing a lot of unrest at some point. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it is. I mean, Alderweireld's in favour again, uh, although his contract expires in summer. Ericsson's kind of like you know semi in favour, i.e., like starting. I think starting. He's got two days left where he could transfer, but yeah. no one's interested allegedly. Yeah, blah, blah, I think blah. combination of like the clubs that he'd be interested in, interested in, and like probably that. I think you know Madrid and Barcelona aren't going to buy him, so he probably isn't that bothered about it, and he can just take his pick next summer, which is not the Spurs' way, but. You know that 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 can happen, and he should have gone to Bayern, by the way. Yeah, that wouldn't have been a bad spot spot to land, would it? I mean, uh, maybe he wants maybe maybe he's interested in climate. The talk is he's not that bothered about money, and of course, like you know, at any point from now until next summer, he can pick up a huge contract, be it from Tottenham or you know anywhere that he chooses to go. So 
Uh, you know, I don't. If he comes out of contract, he gets like a big signing bonus anyway. Like yeah. that may be prorated for being on this last year or something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, Juve are going to be circling around it." Juve, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, you, you, if Juve haven't, if a representative of Juve hasn't been in contact with a representative of Christian Eriksen at any point during this summer, I'd be amazed because Juve are absolutely <laughs> desperate to move Paulo Dybala to help cover their budget deficit. Yeah, but every <laughs> from the magic every, money tree. Every summer, who's 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 available? Who's good and on a free? It's like yeah, the, you, there's a Juve guy in the shadows with a briefcase. No, that's, <laughs> they would never do that. That's, that's a terrible suggestion. Should we switch to the championships? Oh, we talk at the bottom of the Premier League. Wolves. Uh, sorry. Hang on. Before that, we still got to go back to Manchester United because we talked a little bit about uh, Alexis Sanchez moving to join Romelu Lukaku. Who knew how close they were? Yeah. Uh, but but also like another Manchester United kind of stalwart uh, allegedly going to Roma today. Yeah, we, we hinted on this at the start about Chris Smalling going. I, the Chris Smalling, so weird. I think that's weird. I just, I mean, what's Man United centre backs? It's, it's. Um, well, James's immediate thought was, "Oh shit, what do their centre backs look like?" Not, not that you know, Chris Smalling, who's been around Man United for ages, might be moving, but he's like, "Jesus, who are they playing at the back?" Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's Maguire and Lindelof, which is that's that's not bad. I think that's that's pretty good. But then the backup, presumably, is Phil Jones and. and not much left of Eric Bailly, which is sad because he, you know, looked like a good player when he was when he was. Playing. He did, yeah. So, I guess I'm, I guess maybe it flipped a coin. It was like, well, Phil Jones or Chris Smalling. Maybe we should. Smalling's older. He's 29, I think. I, I don't know. I just figure you, Smalling always plays like some game. He's been like their fourth, third, fourth choice centre back forever. It just feels like an odd, an odd kind of deal to ship it, ship him out. He's he's always been that kind of like role player. And it does and, seem and, has, and has ended up playing a lot of games most seasons. So I don't get that one particularly. So Fabrizio Romano is reporting that it's an agreement for a simple loan um, without a buy option, and players accepted because he wants to be playing. Uh, you know, Rome's a fun place to go, especially if you're just for a year. Like sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to live there for five years. Yeah, yeah. But you know, a year sounds nice. Yeah, no, I mean, he should, he should be... I think he's a pretty solid citizen as far as centre-backs go, so, you know, he, he should be all right. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just going to hint on uh, Watford. I, I, um, yeah. The only team without a point in the Premier League. Uh, everyone, yeah, three games in, everyone's got some points apart from Watford. Their metrics look fine. Uh, they don't look... And Watford tend to start well. Like, historically, ever since they've been back in the Premier League, they've tended to have a fast first half of the season get a lot of points look quite decent and then kind of like meander to the end as soon as they're as soon as they're very safe I think perhaps they did that to a slightly lesser extent last season but it was still still nonetheless the point um, obviously it's gone wrong so far this season zero points from three games but their metrics look as though that they, they will start picking up some points um, sooner and later so so it does kind of like open open up the question like who is bad in the Premier League and I think that's 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 up up for grabs at the moment like metric wise we have uh, West Ham Newcastle Bournemouth and Palace as the four kind of like teams just through just through uh, three games that look look lesser than other teams but again like you know Man City factor and all these kind of things going on for, uh, certainly for Bournemouth and West Ham I think uh, it's there's not anyone in this list that you you stand out and say like right okay this is horrific. So, you know, it's going to take a little while to shake out. And especially when we think, like, the teams that have come up, like Norwich, very clear idea of what they're doing. Like, as Played sti- Liverpool and Chelsea and yeah. still did not look that bad. Yeah, metrics, like, look, you know, sub-pub, but fine in the scheme of things after a tough schedule. Um, Villa, uh, Villa, obviously, we, we just don't know. You know, if, if some two three or four of these new signings hit then they they might be useful it's just a big question mark at this point and then Sheffield United who actually have got like a they're in credit for their expected goals through three games uh, you know the defence looks solid uh, kind of like low event games so far like 10 shots 4 10 shots against but you know slightly better um, yeah they they have control which is interesting yeah like, you know and it's one thing that you feel like Villa often have not had control like Norwich may not be great at controlling it Sheffield United pretty good at controlling it the question for me was like who would score they did a decent job recruiting younger players this summer and and I think the most challenging part about the Premier League is that like the coaches are all good yeah I mean almost almost exclusively 
Um, Bruce, I have some questions about, but almost everybody else has, has proven themselves to be pretty interesting and, and talented, the ones that were there before. Wolves still have the, the spectacularly boring games. Like, you got to feel a little bad for Wolves fans <laughs> now. They, they had, like, the, the lofty highs of, oh, yeah, we're up. This is amazing. Like, we've, we've got these great players that should be in the Champions League. But, you know, due to uh, crazy deals with Jorge Mendes and, and our ownership group, like, you know, we're, we're getting... Diogo, Diogo Jota and uh, uh, the kid that plays at the back, or defensive midfielder that I love, but I can't remember. Den Ruben Dunker. Neves. No, not the Dunker. <laughs> Ruben Neves in, in our team. Uh, and and that, then they're like, oh, wow, we're in the Europa League places. This is amazing. And they're like, oh, God, we have three draws, and those three games have seen a total of four goals. Maybe we could just play with some fun once in a while, you know? Yeah, you imagine I, with these, you, you, you know, the. the in, inevitable travel of Europa League, they could they could really even shut it down even more in the league. Just like you know, yeah, just just keep it tight, lads. And <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a pretty decent defensive outfit anyway. So, right, so we're pretty long today, but that's all right. Um, we wanted to shift briefly. I promised the fans of the championship, including the not the top twenty boys, that we would talk about how drunk is the championship table right now. And our metrics, um, you know, are a bit different than than other teams, uh, or sorry, other data companies. Like we've got you know, different data. We do different expected goals model. Um, last year, League One took forever to sort out from yeah. uh, an expected goals perspective, and the championship often is tricky as well because of how how close the teams are to each other. Uh, there's a lot of, of parity in the league, and so that means that you know it takes a long time for expected goals to like you know shunt to the fore. But also, you know, somebody gets fired, the metrics all change, like somebody important gets injured. So, what do we know about the championship so far through five games? Leeds are great. <laughs> Leeds are really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, they they were really good last year. Their metrics are better than anyone in the league. They've gone through five five games this season. They're like plus 10 per game shots, like taking 17 a game, allowing 7. And that's going through with the shot quality as well because they're like plus 1.4 per game uh, expected goals. So, like, you know, it, let's look at a stat line for a good team. Right now, Leeds through five games look like that. And they look like that last season. So, um, the only thing that Leeds don't do is is score set these goals. Right. Like, yeah. Everything else looks awesome. And, and so we know that we have one very good team. Yep. And then <laughs> uh, QPR got good metrics. Um, yeah, quite interesting. Charlton Lesso, QPR in like twelfth, Charlton, Charlton third. Charlton are funny. There's seven seven shots a game, like nearly sixteen against, but their expected goals are flat. So through five games, like you've got that huge skew on the shots. Yet the you know expected goals are basically the same for and against. So yeah, shot shot quality playing around there and uh, influencing things. But yeah, again, the small samples are. are some well, and Stoke actually look like they're yeah. they you know, considerably better than they have been recently and at the bottom of the table. <laughs> One point, player fine, rock bottom, look fine. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really quite strange. And you go through, yeah, up and down. Up Bris- and down Bristol time. with some scruffy metrics that also look very similar to Charlton's, but you know, are so the third and the fourth place teams. You're like, hmm. Not really sure about this. Like you're yeah. like negative seven and negative eight in shot differential. Your expected goals are flat to like you know minus. 0.37 for Bristol, uncertain. Fulham look okay, but yeah. not dominant. Swans, Swans, uh, I think just quickly looking at Swansea, Fulham, Sheffield Wednesday, and West Brom have all got like uh, you know kind of like solid expected goals and solid kind of like shot metrics. Uh, you know, to, there's also the Leeds factor inside of this, like the city factor we talked about before. Mm. If you face Leeds, <laughs> yeah. Like your your numbers are going to be horrible. So like I feel like we should probably upgrade the teams that have faced these. Like so for example, Brentford have had two games this year, and I laugh about it because like Brentford like oh we have nobody that can finish and like the team everybody's just failing. Look, fans after a loss are not rational human beings, and I I can say this. I someone I think uh, Marshall Taylor who's one of the directors at Leighton. Uh, I told him it took me a year to figure out like how bad fans actually were kind of, you know, on fan forms, especially after a loss. And part of our job at Brentford was like to read fan forms regularly. Sometimes you read opposing fan forms uh, about like, you know, players and stuff like that. But like we kind of kept up with it because Matthew 
the owner felt that there was some signal there, especially about young players, you'd be able to get, you know, hey, he looks really promising, something like that. So it's kind of a, a diversified scouting experience. But like our own forums were hideous. And I, I finally stopped reading them in year two because I just realized that there is nothing good to come out of here. But Brentford had that crazy loss from one of James's favorite uh, weirdo things that happens in football, which is a header scored from yeah. like 20 yards, right? Yeah, yeah, that was great. And that was that was the one shot in that game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, so Birmingham, I, I have to read this, the stats on this because it's, it's really that much fun. So I've clicked it up, I'm waiting for it to load. But it was Birmingham had, yeah, one shot. Brentford had 14 in ours. Uh, expected goals was 1.12. So, you know, Birmingham played decent defending, but like literally never a shot after the 20-yard header that was scored. Um, so that was one game this year. And then the second one was this past weekend where they placed Charlton. And as you said, uh, lots and lots of... Charlton seemed to be doing okay. So Brentford had just the 23 shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> against at Charlton uh, and it wasn't even like that big of a, um, a game state swing like uh, Charlton scored in, I think in the 41st minute uh, Charlton had three shots so so yeah they've, they've had some weirdo uh, losses both losses you would expect those to be potentially draws uh, yeah and then, wins. I mean that, yeah that's 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 <laughs> just yeah that's bizarre two two slightly odd results there so yeah yeah um, and they face Leeds and and Leeds you know beat them as Does the table lie? A little bit, but it's not as crazy <laughs> as I was expecting it. Honestly, yeah, like, yeah. Brent, Brentford could, Brentford could, they could probably happily double their points and and, and think like, yeah, that was that was a fair representation of uh, of who we are and what we're about. But yeah, funny, funny little quirks early on. W- one different thing for the Beast fans is that they're defending well this year, which has you know, if you defend well and you've got some pretty good attackers, which they do. Uh, they did sell Mopé. He's already scoring in the Premier League. Uh, but if you defend well, you've got a, a pretty good chance to to end up near the top of the table in the championship. And it's it's a different a different pattern than we've seen historically with them. Uh, so yes, they, it lies a little bit. We know the Leeds is good. Uh, there are a lot of potentially good teams. QPR kind of a bit of a surprise. It looks like Warbs has them has them doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I always like so. I worked with Mark Warburton in the 14-15 season when, when Brentford finished in the playoffs. And I never had any problem with him directly. I think that Warburton is actually quite an organized manager. But there was like a, a behind-the-scenes war between Matthew and, and Warburton about a lot of little things. And um, you know, I, I kind of came in for, for some flack off of that just because like I was brought in by Matthew to help with recruitment. And they were starting to take a different tact. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see what Warburton does with QPR, who have struggled you know, quite consistently uh, in the championship for a long time, but it looks like maybe they could potentially be turning the corner. The weird one here is Reading, who look like they've been really bad, but all of a sudden are mid-table. Cardiff, Cardiff is someone who, you know, probably probably going to move up. Obviously, Warnock, an expert in this field. Uh, their metrics look fine, but they've, you know, not really turned them into points just yet. But again, super competitive. It, again, five games really not 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 much no. of a signal. But it feels like more than you know. We've been talking about Premier League in three, and you just feel really on shaky ground there. You know, and then five, yeah. and it's like okay, I'm a little happier. I'm moving towards being content with making some takes off this. I'm still not there, but you no, know. it's still very cloudy. <laughs> yeah. Like so. All right. So let's move to the to League One quickly, just to talk about like the oddity there, because it, I mean they're almost too certain relegated teams right and then there's everybody else right so barry is is well buried uh and and then you have bolton who have been purchased but also like have no squad effectively and won't be able to generate a squad until the 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 january period so you know they're they're mostly dusted i would guess uh then you're gonna have they're expecting goals (laughs) yeah yeah, that, that, there's a big Bolton tax. If you've played Bolton and you've got really good numbers, we think you're lying. Uh, Ipswich, sorry guys. I know, <laughs> I know we have some Ipswich fans that listens to listen to the podcast. We're just going to throw that result out. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it, if you, I haven't thought about it. If, has, has it been decided what's going to happen with this league? Are they just going to play like you know without Barry and? relegate one less team i guess i guess yeah yeah it would have been bolton if uh, as well if they hadn't been, yeah, yeah. been purchased um this past 24 hours so yeah barrier are gonna i think everybody is gonna 
that would face them will get uh, a win off of it or two wins uh, with like the normal forfeit, which I think is three goals to nil, something like that. Okay. Uh, or or they might just like have it not yeah, exist. Don't I'm, do that. I'm not I sure. don't like that from a from <laughs> from a numbers perspective. I don't 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 put a load of fake wins into the my league table, please. Well, well we, we're clearly not going to update our our table on on IQ because it's too much effort. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Does get confused. I mean, I remember we've uh, what was it? Belgium was always one where you were like, you know, when we were building uh, building our uh, IQ platform, it's like right, let's build some league tables. That's fine. That's easy. Okay, what what's going on here, Belgium? What? This isn't just a normal league table. How am I supposed to pick this apart? And uh, yeah, quite a challenge. And that our developer like quite a challenging task for him to to actually like kind of make some kind of sense of of uh, random. It's absolutely league miserable, and yeah. like, especially when the league can change the 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 rules year after year, so you have to re-update it. Halfway, it's yeah, halfway through this league, this this team that, that played in the north and beat that team <laughs> will only play against other teams in the north who've got sufficient. Players are. No, please, go on. So, so, so back to League One <laughs> with with attacks. Ipswich might be okay. Mm. Uh, Wickham are are doing weirdly well. Um, the Wanderers. Uh, you've got Coventry. You've got Fleetwood. Fleetwood uh, good, all yeah. in and solidly positive expected goals numbers. And then Rotherham and Portsmouth as well. So uh, those are the teams that look like they're pretty solid right now. Uh, on the flip side, you know Bolton, very bad. Uh, Southend moderately bad, uh, Wimbledon pretty bad, and then like the only one that looks a little funky that's kind of up the table is Doncaster. So we would actually say that this is like weirdly normal for for recent years, especially with League One. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's that's all we got for today. I hope that you've enjoyed this very quick fifteen minute stats bomb podcast. <laughs> hey, funny enough, Sunderland, Sunderland just to mention them because they they spent most of last year like skewing oddly against like what looked like mediocre metrics. Their metrics mm-hmm. look kind of average again, but they're yep. you know kind of uh, towards towards the head of the pack. So in- interesting team there. Anyway, yes. Yeah, well, good good defenders, mm-hmm. and and like I said before, like if you're if you defend well in these leagues, you've got a pretty good chance, especially if you can get just like some decent uh, talent. Or if you decide that you want to focus a little bit on set-piece goals, uh, which you know plenty of people do not, so that's their preference. Right, that's that's our first non-transfer Statsman podcast of the season, although we did talk about some transfers, mainly headlining on Chris Smalling. I'll have to put a huge picture of Chris Smalling as our poster for this. Um, Come see us at our course uh, October 10th, um, we're giving another introductory course in London. I believe it's at Leighton Orient Stadium. Yeah, so yeah I, cool. I did, we haven't promoted that as much as we should. We, I'll, I'll tweet it out soon. And But, you know, do come. And, like, we've got great feedback for the courses. People have really enjoyed them. People have come from all walks of life and have, you know, in, uh, enjoyed it. You know, kind of like betting people, football people, just fans of, you know, Stats Bomb, just all sorts of people, agents, anyone anyone is welcome and it's 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 a good day and you'll definitely get some some useful ideas out of it yeah uh, you of... can see james in person yeah and i just want to let you know that he likes warm hugs <laughs> and on that note oh, thank you for listening to the stats bomb podcast yeah okay <laughs>